What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. To first strike here on Visa. And I'm your host, Dave Ross, here at Circus Sportsbook in fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. For the next hour, we're going to break down everything in a wild UFC 283 card in Rio de Janeiro. We got two title fights on tap. We're going to be joined by Jordan Sherwood, Dan Vreeland, and Reed Kuhn. But it must be the first pay per view of the season. When we've got Lou Finicaro in studio, in the flesh from Arizona. Lou, great to have you in here for this big card here, the first real big one here of 2023 for the UFC with those two title bouts on hand. Before we really break down the card, Lou, again, you and I talked about it, shameless plug, first strike, first look on Tuesday, and we were talking about, you think of boxing venues back in the day, and, you know, Ali Frazier and Ali Foreman, some of these wild thrill in Manila and, you know, the, the rumble in the jungle. You're down in Brazil. There's going to be a Brazilian on every single fight in this card. Is this Brazil against the world? And obviously this is why we've match made the way we've got these fights going down. It it is. And for a guy like me that has a passion for fights, uh, to be able to take a long, tall, skinny guy from this corner of the world and put him against a short, squat, fat guy from that part of the world and watch him meddle, uh, with their specialty, each yep. from their own region is fascinating. We got fighters from Tunisia, from Denmark, from the U.S., uh, from everywhere coming in to face these Brazilians. And the crowd is its going to be a little uh, later there. Mm-hmm. So the crowd is absolutely going to be crazy. Yeah, they're going to be ready to go. That's for sure. So we're going to talk a lot about that. Let's get to the main event here. Uh, when we look at the light heavyweight championship, we know that Yuri Prohashka has got injuries. He's away, so he's not going to hold up the division. Says, all right, go over to Shara. You were the former champion. Almost had me out. And uh, Prohashka, of course, getting that fifth round stoppage to win it, but now the belt is back on the line. So Glover's got an opportunity to win this belt again against Jamal Hill, who hasn't fought a top five guy. Of course, uh, Chicago area there, going to come from the United States here down to Rio. And it's going to be a hostile environment for him. But like we talked about on Tuesday, he does have built-in advantages, right? He, much younger, 12 years the junior. And certainly the speed advantage is going to be there and a two-inch reach advantage and height advantage, rather, three-inch reach advantage. So are those abilities that he already has built in enough to overcome a guy in Glover who's been there, done that, and fought everybody there is to fight at the light heavyweight division. 
Sunday morning, I'll have a specific answer for that. <laughs> In the meantime, that's exactly how we have to balance it, Dave. It's the physical characteristics and, and height, reach, et cetera, flash and power. When Hill hits you, guys go out. Mm -hmm. So there's power and flash with Hill, but there isn't a diversity in attack, nor is there a, a, a wealth of experience. With Teixeira, we have lost some of the zip and speed because against Yuri in the first round, second round, he looked slow and glacier-like. Mm -hmm. That said, once he tuckered Yuri out a little bit, that fight became much more competitive. Teixeira's got the guile, he's got the experience, and he's been in with the elite of the division. So it's how each person wants to break that fight down. It's a, it's going to be a, a heck of a fight. Uh, I know you're going to get to the total, yeah. but I think that's kind of telling in the fight as well. And we always talk about it, right? It's pathways of victory, certainly when you're handicapping, you're trying to figure out the logical ways that you see this fight going. If you like Jamal Hill, maybe you like the under. And again, for a potential five-round championship bout, one and a half. And really not that crazy for prices either way here. So you get some plus money if you like it at under a round and a half. And again, if you think maybe the veteran Glover Teixeira, kind of like he did against Prohaska, gets the sea legs, young fella, I'll let you tie yourself out a little bit, maybe play Matador for a couple rounds. Maybe there's some correlated plays there, depending on which side you like. I, as I break it down, I just must feel that Teixeira is going to need a little time to be able to take some of the steam out of the young man. The young man knows that he must keep distance and not let Glover get a hold of him, especially early when he's dry. And so for that reason, I think the Teixeira plan has to include time and the Hill plan maybe not so much. And that's why potentially that total scares me. That being said, I definitely lean to the over one and a half here, and I think leaning over is leaning to Teixeira being able to take the fight deeper. You and I kind of seeing this main event the same way. I, I do like that. Again, not a juiced out of, out of control here. Minus thirty for over a round and a half. The under right now, plus a dollar. And again, you do see the props here, right? Jamal Hill, and again, uh, you know, small favorite in this fight, KOTKRDQ, plus ten Decision 9-1, to one, it kind of tells you that I, nobody thinks this fight's going to go all five, whether or not it gets over that one and a half or not, because Glover is seven to one. So you kind of see sub is 25 to one. We don't expect that from Jamal Hill, but there's the sub for Glover at plus 250. Again, the thought is if he can envelop him, as you talked about on Tuesday, and maybe get Hill down to a place he doesn't want to be, which would be on the mat. No question about it. So I, I do think that understanding that, five-round fight with a one-and-a-half total, it would be Hill via the finish, uh, KO, or Glover by sub, I think. Those are logical ways to go. For me, I'm not going to try and get too cute or too specific. I'm gonna, I'm probably going to end up on that over one-and-a-half. Let's start with the co-main event here again, Davis and Figueredo against Brandon Moreto, not once, not twice, not thrice, four times. And now we've got a win, a loss, and a draw for all three men here. These are the two best 125-pounders in the world all due respect to Kakara France, but I think we recognize these two guys right now have kind of, they've separated themselves. What would be different for you? And do you think the home crowd here for Figueredo plays in the way he fights Moreno, who doesn't seem like he's intimidated no matter where he fights? Um, that's a difficult question because uh, in the last 
X amount of months. There's been an election in Brazil, yeah. and uh, Figueiredo's been outspoken for the candidate that lost the election. And and for that reason, even Moreno has said that he, that crowd may not be as voracious for Figueiredo. Oh. Now, I think that's Moreno blowing a little steam oh, a little I bit. Like uh, Figueiredo is a Brazilian. He's fighting in Brazil. Those people will be tuned up by the time this fight goes. <laughs> These guys know each other well, and they have disdain for one another. I don't think there's clenched fist hatred, but each man wants to finish the other and put an explanation point on this, and I do believe the winner finishes the other. Yeah, that's interesting because normally when you fight a guy three times like they already have, you're going in there for a fourth time, there's that mutual respect. And we, we saw early on in the first couple fights that really wasn't there. It felt like like, like it came around at least on Figueredo's side. Moreno's already etched in stone, first Mexican-born UFC champion. His his star is already on the there in Mexico forever. Does Figueredo have, have more to prove in your eyes than Moreno does at this juncture? Uh, um, I, that's a good question. I'm not sure how to address it. I think his task is greater. Yeah. He's the champion that has to defend. He didn't go to fight ready to prepare for this fight. Instead, staying in Brazil, where every taco he eats is paid for and everybody's kissing his ring. I'm not so sure that's the best way to sharpen steel. That said, he looked great in the weigh-ins. He's ready to go. He's focused. This is going to be a great fight. I just think in the end, the difference in these two fighters won't be physical it'll be mental and i'm gonna give that to moreno all right moreno right now minus a dollar 25 to regain his belt let's go to another former champion on this card that'd be jessica andrage she's gonna take on lucky lauren murphy nothing lucky about what lauren's been able to put together here to get back into title contention here uh she just seems like she won't go away but neither does andrage right so when you look at this fight how do you think it plays out and i know maybe you're leaning towards a total versus a side definitely so uh listen uh, Andrage is uh, the Tasmanian devil. Uh, she comes at you. She can. She has unusual strength. She has unusual cardio, and she has unusual power. And she's cleaned through three different divisions, mm -hmm. really two divisions, but she's fought in three varying divisions: speed, tenacity. She's got it all. That said, her price minus 490, that, that isn't reflective of what Lauren Murphy has done. Now, in Jessica Andrade's last fight, she fought at 115, the last couple fights. Now she moves up to 125 to take on a Gallon Murphy that's red hot, dropped from 35 to 25, trains at elevation in Denver, and comes durable with a stout wrestling game. Stout durability wrestling together makes her a terrible matchup for Andrade. And while I won't go as far as to say that Murphy's got a shot to win this, I think it's highly competitive and it's going to be a close decision. And for that reason, Dave, I'm looking at the over two and a half uh, currently lined. At, minus uh, minus a that's a great, to me, that's a great price for all the, the reasons you gave. Knowing Warren Murphy is so tough. Yeah. Andrade has got a huge punch, at 125 and certainly at 115, but Warren Murphy can take a punch. Uh, Murphy will be taller, bigger. Uh, I, I don't know about stronger, but she's awful durable. And really, she's not going to let Andrade punch her because she's going to go in and it's going to be an attempted, uh, you know, 
slow dance at the high school prom. No question. Uh, Warren Murphy wants to get this fight down to the ground. She wants to wrestle. She wants to be the bigger woman in an octagon uh, in Rio tomorrow night. Uh, very quickly, Lou, we've got about a minute to go here. Of course, the uh, host of the Bout Business podcast. Tell the people about the releases uh, that you give out. And certainly, we know as VEASAN Pro subscribers, you get access to a lot of your plays that you have each and every week. Uh, we do. The podcast drops every Friday. There's a fight card. It's just the final releases, uh, what I give. The podcast was delivered earlier today because the early weigh-ins from Brazil. And so I'm able to share uh, with you now uh, the podcast releases. And, and that's going to be the Lauren Murphy over as well as Brian Moreno. Mm, okay, so we got Moreno, uh, the official play there over Figueredo, and the over in the uh, Lauren Murphy and Jessica Andrade fight at two and a half rounds. Lou, always appreciate you coming in, man. It's great to have you in the studio. Enjoy the fights tomorrow night and uh, safe travels back to Thanks Arizona. for letting me bust in, guys, and the guys back here do such a great job. Thank you. There he is, everybody. Gamble. You can follow him on Twitter at Gamble as I do. When we come back, going to Chicago, buckle up. Jordan Sherwood next right here on First Strike on Visa and the Sports Betting Network. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. Start your morning with VEASAN's newest podcast, VEASAN Daily Morning Bets. Josh Applebaum gives you every piece of info you need to be ready for betting the day's biggest games in just 15 minutes. He discusses line movements, injuries, and what you need to be looking at before you make your bets. Make the VEASAN Daily Morning Bets podcast part of your morning routine. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Dave Ross back here in Las Vegas at Circus Sports. We are joined by Jordan Sherwood back in Chicago. And we know Jordan is doing double duty today. So he's in the car. So we got to go safe. We're going to get you on the phone, Jordan, here. Of course, Jordan Sherwood is the host of the Unnamed MMA podcast. And you can follow him on Twitter as I do at Wood on ESPN 1000. Jordan, thanks for taking the time, man. When we get to a big fight card like this, we love to get your expertise on it. You and I talked a little bit uh, earlier on Big Bets here uh, with Mal Shaw about just that Brazilian crowd and how it might affect some of the handicaps that you have when you have a Brazilian fighter on each and every fight. 
up and down this card. How does how do you take into account? Do you do it individually for each fight, or do you almost have to put in a tax for every Brazilian fighter that's out there? I think you have to look at it individually. Uh, you know, I'm not naive to the fact this is a big deal. It's the first time they're returning to Brazil since 2020 at March. It was the first really, you know, it was a closed event. Uh, and the Brazilian fans have been the itch and get them back live. So I certainly hold that to account, but you can't do it as an overall kind of look at the card. You have to look at the individual matchup and the individual fighters. And I talked about this with you earlier on. You know, you go to the co-main event like Devison Figueredo, Brandon Moreno, a fight that I think is likely to see the judges' scorecards. So in, in that standpoint, yeah, proud reaction, them ooing and eyeing uh, in response, maybe a Devison Figueredo significant strike compared to, you know, Brandon Moreno's volume might sway the judges in, in one way or another. We've seen that time and time again when we're, he- we're scratching our heads. Like, how did that judge see it that way? Well, maybe that, that person, that judge, was reacting to what he was hearing or she was hearing from the crowd. And let's start right there then with the co-main event, as you mentioned, with Figueredo against Moreno. When you're fighting a guy for the fourth time, I just don't know how many more secrets are out there. Is there anything that, that stylistically you could expect to see something different? We know Figueredo still is the biggest puncher at 125. We know Moreno is just a guy that can seemingly do anything, either from his back or certainly with the hands. You feel like Figueredo, yeah, he can get subs too, but you think of him for that power. Could they surprise each other in any way, shape, or form after the three fights they've already been through? Well, uh, I'll, I'll say this. I mean, the one adjustment we saw, I think, between the second and third fight was from the Figueredo side when he started to use some leg kick to kind of throw off timing and, and uh, the speed of Brandon Moreno. Obviously, that did pay dividends for him as he was victorious in that third fight. But I think, again, yeah, the, the, you know, the fact that they've spent so much time preparing for each other and so much time in the octagon with each other, there's not going to be too much uh, of an adjustment between either fighter. I will say this, though. You know, Brandon Moreno's having to switch camp uh, from James Krause to someone new. And the fact that Devison Figueredo spent the, the, his entire camp in Brazil, you know, maybe we see something new uh, out of one of the guys that's trying to change it up a little bit. But at the end of the day, these are the two best flyweights. They know each other extremely well, and I'm expecting an extremely competitive fight. But I will say this, I'm siding with uh, Devison Figueredo, especially at plus money. I think going into the power the, the shot that he's going to be able to land, the reaction from the crowd, I think it's going to be enough for him to get his hand raised and still flyweight champion of the world. And again, because you mentioned those judges' scorecards, if you like uh, Figgy by decision, that's plus 250. Would you play that, or do you not want to get too cute and still take the plus money with Figueredo to retain his belt? I, I think just straight up for him to win, because obviously we know he's a devastating finisher, a powerful puncher. The, I still have visions of when he choked out Joseph Benavidez <laughs> several years ago. You know, Brandon Marino is certainly a tough out. So I, I think if you're if you're if you want to lean and, and sprinkle a little bit more, it's in the heart and and just the overall you know strength of Brandon Marino that he's just not a guy to get finished. But I think uh, that that's too much to risk. So I just like Devison straight up. Uh, let's go to the first fight in the main card. And uh, we got the Brazilian and Johnny Walker against Paul Craig. And uh, certainly if you're a Paul Craig fan, you know what he wants to do. He wants to get this fight down to the ground at all costs. It, you know, we all remember the, what he did to Jamal Hill uh, when he, you know, snap or tap and there was no tap. So we had a snap scenario there uh, for a loss for Jamal Hill. Is that the only pathway to victory for Paul Craig is via submission against Johnny Walker? Well, I mean, obviously, Dave, you know, there's always craziness that, that involves any Johnny Walker fight. He, <laughs> you 
know, he could do something where, you know, he, he throws himself into a punch, literally. Uh, but <laughs> I, I like Johnny Walker in this fight. I think he's got a tremendous advantage in the stand-up department. We've seen Paul Craig get finished by less superior and unorthodox strikers before. Paul Craig needs to get this fight to the ground immediately. And Johnny Walker, you know, isn't a slouch when it gets to the ground. We saw how versatile he was. He just choked out uh, Ian Kudilaba in his last fight. So I have confidence in the fact that Johnny Walker has been more reserved uh, of late. We've seen over the last couple of times, and he's going to be able to land something and get Paul Craig out of there. But it would be pretty crazy. I mean, all Paul Craig, Beardew fights are nuts. Uh, and then when you couple them <laughs> with Johnny Walker, anything goes. I think we get a finish, Dave, under one and a half for sure. Uh, but I think Johnny Walker gets a pan raise. He's going to knock out Paul Craig. Yeah, how about this? If you think this fight's going to go all three rounds, you ever seen a number like this? Plus 450. Don't even pick a winner, Jordan. This shows you that everybody thinks this fight is not going to go uh, deep into the Rio de Janeiro night. So that's why it's priced accordingly. Let's talk about uh, Dorino Gilbert Burns back in action in this one. And again, normally it's something you and I talked about on, on Big Bets as well. Normally, you're not going to see Neil Magny this big an underdog to anybody. But it is Brazil. It is Gilbert Burns. And Gilbert Burns can look as impressive as, as anybody we've seen in this weight class. What do you make of the chances of Neil Magny? You would think he'd have to use ring generalship, if you will, and almost box his way to a three-round decision. Is that possible? Yeah, I look, I think it is. I mean, stay behind that jab. He's, he's still, look, his, his length and his athleticism, his speed, the cardio, very tough to replicate in, in any training environment, any training camp. And he looked great in his last fight against Daniel Rodriguez. I handicapped it on the other side, and that was a lot. Uh, I thought Rodriguez was going to get him out of there. The thing about this, this fight, though, Dave, is what Gilbert Burns brings to the octagon. Great athleticism, a strong overhand right, and obviously outstanding Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And it's those type of fighters, particularly in the grappling department, the Michael Chiesa's, the Hafio Dos Anjos, the, the Shabdat Rakhamovs of the world cause issues for Neil Magny. And even though Neil Magny is the younger fighter by one year, I certainly think he's a little bit longer in the tooth with his octagon time. So I actually think it's priced accordingly. I expect Gilbert Burns to roll. But unlike like I was saying with Devison Figueredo, I think there's value on him to win inside the distance. Uh, so, you know, couple that with either a knockout or, or in likelihood, a submission victory. I just, I just think that, that he's going to overwhelm Neil Magny and get him out of there. What's amazing, too, if you're looking at the dog and Magny's plus 380, the pathways that, that Vegas is certainly seeing for Magny are long shots at best. The shortest shot on the board is Magny via decision at 6-1. to one. So the betting market just not expecting Neil Magny to find any way to get Gilbert Burns out of there. 12 to 1 KRTKRDQ, sub 25 to 1. So I'm picking up what you're putting down, Jordan. It feels like if you want to get cute with Burns, plus 250 KRTKO, or if submission at plus $2. Let's get to the main event here in the time we have remaining. Jamal Hill, Glover to Shara. I mean, Glover to Shara's seen everything. Has he seen a guy like Jamal Hill? And do you think that the traveling from Chicago, USA, going to Brazil is going to affect the challenger in this one? I mean, Jamal Hill shouldn't be here. I mean, he was on his couch when he got to call the fight for the title. Uh, but certainly Glover's seen it all. He's been there, done that. So Jamal Hill's not going to bring anything new. It's just the fact that, like, if he lands something, uh, does the chin of Glover Teixeira hold up? 
I'm not sure it does. And, you know, that's tough to say with what he just did against Yuri Prohaska and standing opposite Jan Blachowicz and, and submitting him. But I just think Jamal Hill, he, he's struck the lotto. He's going to have about a round, round and a half to get Glover out of there before this fight goes to the ground and, and, and Glover takes over. I think Jamal Hill is going to hang out his hand raise uh, and new champion because uh, I think his athleticism, his power is just going to, and his speed is going to be just too much for Glover to handle. Uh, early on in the fight, so I expect a quick main event. Now, quick is being the key there for under a round and a half is plus a dollar, over is minus a dollar thirty. Is that the way you see it going? That he comes out and says, "I got to, I got to blitz the old man. He's forty three. I'm twelve years his junior, and I can't let this guy take me into the deep waters." Exactly, exactly. And, and look, I, I think that's also safe because I think Glover knows that. I think Glover wants to spend as little time as possible on the feet. And Jamal Hill's a guy to get taken down. He was taken down six times in his last fight against Thiago Santos, who doesn't even have the the near acumen uh, the, and grappling edge that, that Glover Teixeira has. So why wouldn't Glover, you know, look to take this fight down immediately and do what Paul Craig did? You just alluded to it. Paul Craig submitted Jamal Hill in that first round. Glover's going to do the same. So that's why I do like the under at one and a half. Jordan, really appreciate you, man. And again, uh, you know, be safe out there in Chicago. I know you're driving around right now, but we always appreciate you taking time to talk to us here on First Right. There he is, everybody, Jordan Sherwood. And check out the Unnamed MMA Podcast. When we come back, Dan Vreeland up next here on First Strike on these, these Sports Betting Network. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving you plenty of ways to bet the UFC. Just download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. You're going to be able to bet on many more events than just the main event. DraftKings has great odds on fight lines, total rounds, and futures for all MMA events. Eligible restrictions to apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for all the terms and conditions. Dave Ross back here in Las Vegas. A pleasure to be joined by Dan Vreeland. You can follow Dan as I do at Gumby Vreeland. And he's a writer at Gambling Podcast, at Cage Press, and the host of Top Turtle MMA and SGPN MMA. Dan, you are always such a busy man with the pods, but that's why I love talking to you here on First Strike. Appreciate the time as always, my friend. Let's get to some of the deeper cuts, as we say. When you got your first pay-per-view card, of course, we're going to get to the main event and get your thoughts there. But you really do a, an excellent job, I think, of looking at maybe some of the, the fights that a lot of people might not have their eye on early in this card. Let's go to Terrence McKinney against Ismail Bonfim. There's two Bonfims on this card, by the way, so we don't want people to get confused here. Uh, what do you make of this matchup? We feel like, you know, T-Mac might be a, a fast riser here. Uh, what do you make of this matchup for him as a small favorite at minus twenty? I actually love this matchup with him, and it's nice that you mentioned that there are two Bond themes on this card, because I actually think that's part of what's made this line so close. There was a ton of hype behind the Bond theme brothers when they were coming up in the Brazilian regional scene, and I really think most of it was just around Gabriel. Like, I I think Gabriel is a much better fighter than Ishmael. Ishmael is a guy who's got a lot of the same aggression and the same, like, leg kicks and, you know, ground attack as his brother does, but he sort of lacks the defense, which is why I love Terrence McKinney in this spot. Because Terrence McKinney is a guy who, if you let your defense slip for just a second, he punishes you for it. 
I personally think he should probably be up near negative 200 for this fight instead of down near a pick'em line. You know, a little bit of money has come in on his side, but I think with the defense of Ishmael being sort of suspect, I think you should see him get him out of there pretty darn quick. I'm right there with you. It feels like I'm surprised that number hasn't gone up. I bet you it does go up a little bit before we get there. But let's talk about brother number two and maybe the higher prospect of these brothers. So does that affect Gabriel if younger brother, little brother, if you will, goes out there and loses, and then he's got to go out there and fight as a $1.65 favorite? I actually don't think it does. You know, we've seen people have teammates lose and brothers lose before. I don't think it affects him too much. And also, I think he's got a great matchup. You know, I was just talking about how bad Ishmael's matchup is. I actually think Gabriel's is a great matchup because he's got a kickboxer in front of him who will stand and trade with them, who's had a little bit of trouble finishing people as of late uh, in Mornier Lazez. And, and I think that, first of all, plays right into his hand. He's an aggressive striker. He, he finishes people really well on the feet. And in addition to that, he's fighting a kickboxer. And if it's not going his way on the feet, he's got a great ground game. He's got great submissions. He works excellent on top. We saw it on the contender series. So I think we see him feel him out on the feet. And if he doesn't quite like what he's seeing, you're going to see him take him down and get it done. And part of that, again, is is why we're seeing his brother's number rise up. So maybe he helps us cash two tickets. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see. Very highly touted, though, the, the Bonfim brothers. So one we're going against and one we're going for here on this card down there in Rio. Let's get to the first fight on the docket here, Marcos against Oliveira here. And you're looking at uh, Salmon Oliveira as a small favorite about minus $1.45 against Daniel Marcos at plus $1.25. Could there be a small upset in the first fight of the night? Yeah, I love Daniel Marcos in this spot, to be to be completely honest. I saw him on the Contender Series, and when he showed up on the Contender Series, he was kind of an unknown. He had not fought in three years. He's coming out of Peru, which is not a hotbed of MMA by any stretch of the imagination. And he absolutely put it on Brandon Lewis. And a lot of people were shocked by that. His striking looked crisp. He looked faster than anybody had ever seen before. And I think it's because of all the work he's putting in with Charles Rosa down at the American Combat Gym in Florida. He moved there from Peru to completely change his training. And it's totally working for him. He looks amazing in there. And he's got good takedown defense. Simon Oliveira is a guy who looked a little sketchy his last time out. Granted, against good competition. But I think there's a spot here where he just gets it done with the hands. And if Simon Oliveira starts shooting those takedowns, I know that Daniel Marcos has got the takedown defense in his back pocket. So to see him as an underdog here, I I think you're going to see him show out with the hand. You know, Dan, when I look down this card, there's one fight that sticks out because it's the biggest price tag on the board. Almeida, you almost have to lay 10 to 1 if you want to take him to win this fight. I know you're not going to lay that kind of price tag, but maybe you found another way to handicap this fight. Yeah, I'm not tempted by 10 to 1. But with that being said, I think it's lined appropriately. I've been on record saying Jelton Almeida is a guy who I think could beat top five guys in the UFC's heavyweight or light heavyweight division. I I really am that high in this guy. So to see him 10 to 1 against, you know, the number 15 guy in the world, totally not surprising. With that being said, yeah, nobody wants to lay 10 to 1 to to try to get him to win here on the money line. But His KO prop is kind of intriguing because while he can take people to the ground and submit them seemingly without even trying, he does have a TKO finish in his UFC debut against Danilo Marquez. And I think Abdurakahimov has got good enough submission defense that we could see him maybe get a little frustrated looking for the arm triangle choke or the rear naked choke. Just drop some bombs to get the finish in the first round anyway. And I've seen that somewhere around, you know, plus 250, Mm -hmm. plus 200, depending on where you're looking. 
that's not a bad price tag for a guy we know is going to win. And we're just kind of trying to nail down how he's going to do it. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Look, if you want to throw him in parlays, at, you know, almost 10 to 1, we understand that. But I think your approach there is the much more prudent approach here. Uh, find that method of victory and really get a much better price and get plus price here at 250 by TKO. You know, I was talking about this with Jordan Sherwood earlier in the show. And, you know, I look at Neil Magny and I go, man, he's just so disrespected in the betting market. It seems like all the time, right? And yet here he is. And he's still technically the younger fighter than Doreno Gilbert Burns in this one. But the betting market is saying it's Doreno all the way. Do you see it the same way or do you think there's going to be some resistance here from Magny? You know, I think Gilbert Burns is going to win this fight. Uh, I don't know that I feel negative. 475 that Gilbert Burns is going to win because you're right. Neil Magny, critically underrated dude. Also just like maybe the guy who makes people look the worst, even when he loses, like he makes his opponents look like you're like, ah, that guy didn't look that good against Neil Magny. (laughs) And it's like, of course he didn't. Neil Magny makes everybody look bad. (laughs) I think the advantage here is Gilbert Burns has got the ground game. uh, And I, I think he's, he's going in with a more wrestle heavy approach than he has in his last couple of games. I've seen some of the embeddeds, you know, wearing wrestling shoes. And it's clear he wants to get back to his roots of grappling after not doing so for a fight or two. So I I think we're going to see that Gilbert Burns. I think he's going to win this fight. But yeah, I'm looking for alternative ways to play this. And maybe my favorite way to play this fight is I think this fight goes the distance. Mm. Uh, Neil Magny, not a really easy guy to finish, even though, you know, his last fight was a, a submission win. The fight before that was a submission loss. You know, part of that was fighting Shavkat Rachmanov right. and getting stunned and stuff like that. So. Before that, a whole bunch of decisions. So this one going to decision, I'm seeing it plus 120. I don't think that's an awful play here. I think that there's a good chance that Neil Magny survives some of the ground onslaught of Gilbert Burns. And probably Gilbert Burns just grinds out a victory here. You know, I'm totally picking up what you're putting down there because that's kind of it shows the respect to me. If you're playing that side at plus an hour 20 for Magny. That he's just tough as nails. Yes, he makes guys look awkward. It's going to take a while for Burns if he does get back to the wrestling roots. And if that's the style, I could see Magny surviving, maybe losing a decision. But I think that's a a much better way to handicap this at plus $1.20. Because I think he's alive at almost 4-1. to But instead of playing that extreme long shot, I think plus $1.20 to go to the distance is a much better play. In the main event, we know when you got a younger guy, 12 years your junior, Jamal Hill, the thought process is, I got to charge. I got to be the bull. And we know Glover to share the former champ is going to be the matador. Is that the way you see it? And if Glover can get this fight down to the ground, we know that's not where Jamal Hill wants to be. Yeah. And I think that's the way this is going to go. You know, like I know a lot of people are talking about Jamal Hill with the one hitter quitter striking and the, the chance that he gets Glover out early, but Glover just went damn near 25 minutes with Yuri Prohoshka and mm-hmm. took the best things that Yuri had to throw. I'm not saying Jamal might not hit a little bit harder than Yuri, but man, it it can't be that much, right? Yuri's putting people away pretty easily, and Glover took the best he had. In addition to that, I am worried about the takedown defense of Jamal Hill here. Jamal Hill gave up six takedowns to Tiago Santos, and and Tiago Santos is not a guy who I think of as being a particular apt wrestler. So, (laughs) and he got up after all of those, which is worth mentioning too, but you just don't get up when Glover Teixeira gets you down, right? Like, it's not a, I'm just going to stand up and not be in this, a Derek Lewis situation, if you will. (laughs) Like, when he's on you, it's over most of the time. Anthony Smith found that out the hard way. So I really think Glover Teixeira is going to get this down in the first couple of rounds. And I think Jamal Hill is going to find himself in a world he's not ready for. 
plus 250 if you like to share by submission to be and new once again. Is there any other way that, that Hill wins it other than KO? Because you look at these props here, you get plus money at Jamal Hill, plus $1.10, KO, TK, or, or DQ, one hitter, quitter, and sub that you like at plus 250. You get semi-juicy prices there with Glover, not as much with Hill, but it feels like those are the, the pathways, the clear pathways to victory. Yeah, the only thing I will th- will say is he did look like he could possibly win three rounds off of Thiago Santos yep. before he wound up finishing him late in the fight. So, like, it, it wouldn't shock me that he won a decision, but you're right. Like, I, I just don't see the value on most of those lines for Jamal Hill. Uh, Dan, it's great to have you back. This is the first big one of 2023. Enjoy the fights down there in Rio. We'll catch up again soon. Thank you. There he is, Dan Freeland, everybody. Great insight as always. When we come back, we're going to Washington, D.C. to catch up with Reed Kuhn next, right here on First Strike on Visa, the Sports Betting Network. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10 year, 100,000 mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast. To start listening. We roll on this edition of First Strike here on VEASAN, going out to Washington, D.C., the nation's capital. Catch up with our guy, Reed Kuhn. You can follow Reed as I do at Fightnomics on Twitter. And, of course, he is the author of a book of the same name. Reed, great to have you before the first big card here of 2023, the first pay-per-view event in Rio de Janeiro. And just I'm curious, when you have so much data that you have on a lot of these fighters, uh, certainly some names out there, some big names that we've seen through the years, how do you factor in Rio? Is there any way to, to factor in that atmosphere and knowing that a Brazilian is on every single fight in this entire fight card? So the, the short answer is I am not factoring it in now. Now, I did do some analysis in the book about the home cage advantage and did find a pronounced win bias, at least overall, not necessarily against the odds, but Brazilian fighters fighting someone not from Brazil at home do tend to win. And I think it was like 60% or over 60% of the time, whereas you did not see that same effect in the US, Canada, or Japan. In Japan, it actually worked against them. Hmm. So there used to be some some data behind that theory. Um, I just haven't tested it lately. And now that we're going to start going back, maybe I'll start re-digging into that data. 
And, and Reed, I, I think, you know, I've talked a lot about it this week. You know, judges are humans, right? So sometimes I think people think, oh, you know, you got to beat the Brazilian twice at their own, you know, because the, the judges are affected. They, they could be affected by the crowd noise, but we have strict criteria that they're supposed to adhere to. But you do worry if they hear the volume for the Brazilian fighters and maybe you don't get that for the American fighters or from fighters in other par- parts of the world. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And studies have been done in soccer and other sports where crowd does influence referee behavior. And so that's just the referees. You you would you know abstract that to the judges also sitting cage by side. So yes, this is a real thing in other sports. It would be weird to assume that it's not a thing in MMA. I think it's there. They are human. They will react. They don't all have the same visual angle in the fight. And if they hear the crowd pop, you know, for their home guy who landed maybe a jab, but they're really excited about it, <laughs> they can be biased. So I do think there is a mechanism there. I just don't know how much. And I, I think that's something certainly I, I'm glad you brought that up because that is something before you're, you're making those wagers, people out there watching and listening here, take that into effect. If you think these fights that might go the distance that might judge and, and influence the way you see the fight going. Let's talk about a couple of fights that you do like that. You've got the volume on Nicholas Dalby against uh, Worley Alves here early on in the undercard. What are the numbers showing you with uh, with a couple guys? I know you have some data on. Yeah, I, I like this. Um, Warley Alves, I think he opened up an underdog. He's currently a mild favorite, and I see a lot of value in the current price. It turns out I actually think he should be an even bigger pr- uh, favorite. I'm too bad I didn't jump on it a lot sooner. <laughs> but Alves has a lot of finishing potential, a dangerous striker, much more so than Dalby. Dalby has been dropped four times. He's never even knocked down one of his opponents, and here he is facing Alves, who hits pretty hard and is dangerous. Alves also has the accuracy advantage. Um, and ground advantage, like lots of ground metrics. I, I realize Dolby is somewhat of a grinder. He's won some ugly fights. But in terms of technical fighting, Alves looks a lot better on paper. And so when I looked at that on paper and saw Alves early on as an underdog, I revisited it and thought, wait a minute, he should be the favorite. And sure enough, the market reacted already. So I'm still backing him as a favorite here. And honestly, that's an affordable price. Yeah, minus $1.25 right now, so it, that might keep going up, but a good point there that you might want to grab this one now, people, uh, at minus $1.25. Could get up even higher before we get to fight night tomorrow in Rio. Uh, let's get to the main card here. The first fight on it is intriguing because Johnny Walker can be very unpredictable, uh, maybe for the good and for the bad, and certainly I think we know what Paul Craig wants to do, right? Yes, maybe he's getting better with his hands, but that's not what he wants to do with Johnny Walker. He wants to get this fight down to the ground. What are the numbers showing you? Is there a possibility for an upset here? Uh, So first of all, the numbers absolutely back that up. I do not expect Paul Craig to want to stand for very long with uh, with Walker. What what this Hail Mary scenario that I'm worried about is that Paul Craig goes in for obvious takedowns because he does do them early and often and he eats one of these crazy knees because Walker is a wild striker mm-hmm. uh, and he has some crazy knockouts that come pretty early. So his knockdown rate is actually very high. Now, on the ground, we have not seen Walker do very well. He actually has poor control. He has mediocre takedown defense, and that's the opening that I am hoping for because, yes, I do see upset potential here. I I wish maybe that it wasn't in Brazil, but Paul Craig is a crazy good submission artist. And if he gets you on the ground, he can lock something in. He has lots of different types of submissions. He's not a one trick pony. And so I'm hoping for something on the ground there. 
acknowledging that if he can't get it there, he's probably getting dropped and knocked out on the feet. So inside the distance, for sure, that's your prop, but everybody's on that. Uh, but I'll take a small stab at Paul Craig. I think you can get him as high as plus 170. Yeah, uh, you can right now. And again, I, I thought when you were saying Paul Craig crazy i thought you were stopping right there because he scares me uh in that ring introduction he is locked in both these guys this should be a very interesting first first round and let's see if it gets to a second round uh the next fight on here is i'm always interested with your numbers here because when you've got fighters that fluctuate in weight and right when you're looking at jessica andrage the former champion at 115 going up against lucky warren murphy coming down from 35 they're meeting here in the middle at 25 how do the numbers can they take into account these differing in weights? No. Short answer, no. Uh, It it makes the modeling a little bit too complicated and the math too complicated. Uh, I have thought about it. Um, When it's one weight class and in this area, I think it's okay. Now, I am looking at things like size. uh, So the, the range differential is meaningful here. And that's probably the one thing that works in Lauren Murphy's favor. You know, first of all, her toughness, but also her frame size. If she finds a way to keep distance and not let Jessica Andrade unleash those dangerous weapons, and she's one of the more dangerous fighters at strawweight and probably still at flyweight. Uh, so I think Andrade is the deserving favorite by far. I worry that Murphy is going to stifle her a little bit and keep her at bay. Uh, I'm still going to back Andrade. I think she's a good parlay anchor. But the the Murphy angle, I think that stretches at least the fight. We're not looking for an early finish. I'm not going to play the prop inside the distance. This could go all three rounds if Murphy fights smart. Um, she actually survived, I think, to round four with Shevchenko. Mm-hmm. And so you know, maybe she can pull out three rounds against Andrade if she really uses that size. But I still don't see her landing more shots here. Yeah, plus a dollar if you think this fight can at least go the, to the distance uh, without picking a winner. I've been trying to get one of our experts, Reed, to, to back Neil Magny against Doreno Gilbert Burns. And look, I get it. I understand why Burns is such a big favorite. Are you biting on that with the numbers, or are they really pointing to Doreno in this one? Well, let me say, I, I was an early Magny backer, and I used to always get, like, you know, plus 200, and then I would get, you know, plus 400 by decision. <laughs> and I was on that all day early on when he had that great streak. Uh, so, you know, that guy has come through for me many times. This is not one of those times where I'm banking on that. Burns has a lot of advantages. He has that incredible jujitsu base that he rarely uses. And Magny's secret weapon has always been his ability to backpack people, use those cr- that crazy long range that he has, uh, but eventually wrap you up on the ground. And I don't see that happening here. And Burns hits hard. He swings for the fences mm-hmm. when he strikes. And Neil Magny, two knockdowns scored, eight received. That is a bad ratio to have. And... You know, I I think it is a liability if he can't get this fight to the ground. I think he might get knocked out. So Burns one way or the other, yet another chalky play, but another one for the parlays. Yeah, again, Burns is plus 250 KRTKO or just plus plus two dollars by sub. So it shows you the finishing potential of Burns either way, but you have to kind of guess which way. So to your point, maybe it's just safer to to lay the number. Maybe think about him in parlays if you want to play Gilbert Burns in that light. Let's get to the uh, to the co-main event and into the main event of the evening. Brandon Moreno four times could be the charm here against Davis and Figueredo. I know technically it's one, one and one. Who's going to get the upper hand in the ledger uh, after Saturday night? 
Yeah, one, one, one. This is a tetralogy for those you know who want the vocab at home. This could be a fight we end up seeing six, seven times. Who knows? Uh, these are the two best guys in the division. That's all that's said. And the the one, one, and one factor. When you look at the two who won their fights, uh, they did it as the underdog. So basically, we have a draw and two underdogs who win. So this is the definition of a coin flip type fight. Um, does the Brazil crowd help Figueredo here? Moreno switch back and forth underdog. Now the favorite, the, the numbers lean slightly Figueredo. And I say that having backed Moreno the last two times in a row, hmm. the fact that he dropped Moreno three times in that last fight. Uh, and I think I was actually in Vegas with you yeah. uh, watching that one. It was a very close fight. Moreno does win rounds when he doesn't get hurt. And so he is going to be the busier guy scoring points. But he, that aggression also opens him up. And Figueredo seemed to find that timing and make him pay. So this should not be anyone's you know, fight that makes or breaks their night. This is a fight that is very close. I think it will take a little bit of time to develop. Finishing potential is on Figueredo's side. He is a punch-above-his-weight kind of guy. Uh, but slight lean towards Figueredo. And I don't even think the prices have stopped moving yet. No, it has, and it's going to be wild. And I've run out of time, but I know you lean towards Jamal Hill. The numbers show you that in the main event? Yeah, just, again, slightly. This is one of those super tricky, both co-main and main event are very tricky, very close. So make your money further down on the card. And Reed's giving you plenty of options to do that before you get to the co-main and the main. Reed, appreciate it as always, my friend. Enjoy the fights, everybody. Watch them, and we'll see you next week right here. First Strike on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.